Have we entered the era of live-streamed suicides? I'm sorry, but it looks like we have. Hello, my name is Wallace Smith, and welcome to another Tomorrow's World webcast. And this was heartbreaking news that I read, and surely so many of you have also heard about this. Um, you know, social media has really grown ubiquitous, and especially in particular, live streaming. We now, have, in fact, I was just talking with one of our uh, folks here in the studio uh, about the things that we're trying to do with live streaming. It seems like it's growing and it's everywhere, but that doesn't mean it's always going to be the good stuff that is streamed. There's other things as well. We've seen in the news recently about uh, beatings and such being live streamed criminal activity. And in particular, there's this, I hope it's not a trend, but there's been these instances of suicides being streamed live on Facebook and such. Uh, this particular article is in the Wall Street Journal. It was January 25th, and the title was Another Live Streamed Suicide Puts Spotlight on Social Media Ethics. I'm just going to read the first couple of paragraphs. It says, A teenage girl in Miami Gardens, Florida, committed suicide early Sunday morning while streaming live on Facebook. The latest disturbing incident to be spread via this burgeoning and largely uncharted broadcast medium. The death of 14-year-old Nakia Venant is the latest among dozens of violent, criminal, or otherwise antisocial acts presented in real time in the past year and offers a sobering reminder of the challenges confronting technology companies that are heavily, sorry, investing heavily in live video. It really is heartbreaking. I, uh, I don't know what was going on in this particular child's life. She was a foster child, I know, and sadly her foster parents were actually asleep at the time uh, when all of this was, was happening. There are other studies. I looked up articles, but there were so many actually to, uh, to suggest. You feel free and Google it yourself. But 2016 noted a real rise in suicides, at least in the United States, uh, especially, for instance, among women, just a real growing impact. And social media is increasingly giving all of us the opportunity to be our own essentially television broadcasters. Uh, when I was a, a, a local pastor, I used to make a little videos every Friday night on YouTube for my congregation. They weren't much, but I used to make these little videos. Uh, and I was free to do that. My congregations were able to see those. Now we can do these things live. I can literally take my cell phone out of my pocket and within just a couple of taps of a button, I'm streaming whatever I'm doing live to whoever wants to see. And with this comes this temptation to broadcast things like this. How do we solve a problem like this? I hope we recognize it isn't necessarily Facebook that's the problem. So many things can be good or evil depending on how we use them. Yes, Facebook can be used for evil. Maybe some of you are using it for evil. Stop that. Uh, but it can be used for so much good as well. Uh, check us out on Tomorrow's World on Facebook. And we really strive to do good things with that and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and uh, prophecy and messages about the news there on our Facebook page. It has so much potential. The problem isn't so much Facebook. It's really the kind of society we have that people come to such a point that they feel suicide is their best option. It's something deeper. Let's not blame Facebook. What can we do about options like this? It, it's heartbreaking. And for anyone out there, I've, I've known people who have committed suicide. I'm not trying to lay any particular burden of guilt on you. I don't want that on myself. Anyone who's experienced that with a relative or a loved one or a friend, we all go through those questions. Could I have done anything any different? 
Um, that's normal and that's rational, and I'm, I'm not trying to, uh, to add to that kind of questioning. But I do want to highlight that suicide tends to be associated, for instance, with a lack of hope. And it has to be a real hope. And I just want to use this opportunity to highlight to us, what hope did this world give this young woman? Now, yes, there were so many things that should have told her, should have communicated that this isn't necessary, this isn't what you have to do. But there is a bigger hope because we do have big problems in this day and age. There are large burdens that we bear. There are large difficulties in the world. Is there any hope that can possibly sustain all of us and any of us through the largest of trials? And there is. There is one hope. Uh, it's talked about that way in the Bible. Actually, a good example, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 8. Paul talks about uh, the hope of salvation as a helmet. You know, what does a helmet do? It protects your head. It protects your thoughts. It protects your mind in a very real way. And Paul indicates that the salvation God has to offer is like a protection for us. If you know your purpose in life, if you know why God has designed you, uh, and that He Himself will help you through these trials and through these difficulties, it does make a difference. We're guaranteed by God's Word that it does make a difference. You know, let us all mourn the life of this child and mourn that we're in a society today where not only do these things happen, but they're streamed live as if it's some kind of event for others. But at the same time, let's remember there, there are things we can do. Is society willing to embrace its largest hope? Because only the hope that God provides is big enough to provide the hope that we all need. Thanks for watching, and I hope you'll check out everything we have available at tomorrowsworld.org.